I'm Kara, and welcome to the Purpose Driven Mom podcast. Here at A Purpose Driven Mom, I believe in parenting with intentionality, but remembering the grace that God gives us to make things new every single day. I know that mom life can be hard and stressful, and it sometimes feels out of control, but here at A Purpose Driven Mom, the goal is to help you create systems and routines to just feel less overwhelmed, more in control of your time, your parenting, your life, and have more joy in your home. Mom life is hard enough. Don't do it alone. Welcome to The Purpose Driven Mom Show. Welcome to episode 39 of the Purpose Over Mom show. The conversation I'm having today is with Chelsea Brennan from Smart Money Mamas. Now, I met Chelsea as an affiliate for her conference, Mamas Talk Money, back in November. I learned so much, and she really opened my eyes to this, I don't know, more advanced way of looking at our money. We budget and we do some really simple things, but our conversation really talked about creating wealth for your family. We talked a lot about college and different things we can do now and how we can start to break our negative money mindset. Chelsea is an ex-hedge fund investment manager turned full-time blogger, and for several years of working on Wall Street, she made a major life choice to choose family, passion, and a positive impact over the world over money. She's a recovering perfectionist, aspiring homesteader, and she's a full-blown potterhead living in Connecticut with her husband, who is a rock star, stay-at-home dad, and board game enthusiast, two young boys, and a puppy named Stitches. I loved our conversation so much that I actually invited Chelsea to come speak at this year's Purpose Driven Mom Summit. She is going to be talking about how to build wealth-based routines. And it's not just about the money. It's about creating the conversations in your family. It's about creating a budget that makes sense for you to build wealth. This year's summit is focused all on routines. You can actually go over to the link. It's a purposedrivenmom.com slash 2020 summit and get on the wait list now so you can be in the know when the tickets go live. And if you liked this talk today with Chelsea, you're going to love what she brings to the table at the summit. The day of this uh, coming out, her podcast as well will be launching. So you're going to want to find that over at Smart Money Mamas. I'm going to make sure I link it all at the show notes at a purposedrivenmom.com slash podcast 39. So make sure you head over and you just dig into what Chelsea has to offer. I think she's so realistic and gives real practical tips and cares so much about the moms that she helps. I hope you love and enjoy this conversation I had with Chelsea Brennan from Smart Money Mamas. Welcome to episode 39 of the Purpose Driven Mom Show. I'm so excited for this interview today because I'm going to have a conversation here with Chelsea Brennan from Smart Money Mamas. I got to attend her conference, Mama's Talk Money, earlier in, I guess, 2019. So I was going to say earlier in the year, but now we're in 2020, so that's that's not it. But a few months ago, and it was phenomenal. I know that if you are listening to this podcast, there is a high likelihood you also attended. So you know that you are going to learn so much today. So Chelsea, thank you so much for being on. Kara, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. This is going to be fun because we talk budgeting a lot here at A Purpose Driven Mom, but at more of a high level in the day-to-day and not so much the long-term view. And I know that I needed you on because (laughs) I need help. I always think like when I get um, interviews scheduled, I'm like, what do I need right now? Because my mom probably needs that too. So thank you for imparting all your wisdom in advance. Of course. The budget's a great foundation, but then you got to figure out what to do with all that savings, right? Right. Well, before we get started, I know that a lot of my audience knows who you are, but for those who don't, could you share with us a little bit about you and your family and your financial journey? Absolutely. So my past life, I was a hedge fund manager, which for a lot of people have no idea what that means, but it means that I invested a lot of money for very wealthy people. And I did that for several years and I really enjoyed it. But once I had kids and the hours were crazy, I wanted to do something with more purpose and more flexibility. And I'd always loved talking about money and talking about investing. And it just seemed like a natural place for me to try to help 
families who were struggling with it. So for me, um, I was actually in a mom's group with over 200 moms who had kids the same month as my child. And I had become the go-to person to answer their money questions. And I ended up just starting a blog that was answering all their questions. They sent me, I think the first week of the blog, they sent me like 60 questions. And then that was my first huge set of blog posts, which is answering all their questions. That's awesome. At least you knew what people needed, right? <laughs> they were like, help, help. Um, tell us um, more about your family. Yeah. So I have two young boys. I have a son who's almost four and uh, my youngest is almost two. Actually, he turns to mid-January. Um, and my husband's a stay-at-home dad, which is amazing. It gives us a lot of flexibility and he's awesome with boys. And then we have a puppy who is crazy and adorable and 14 chickens which was supposed to be six but anyone who else who has chickens will know that suddenly you have way more than you ever planned to that's fun and I love that you also have a two-year-old boy because I am on the struggle <laughs> bus with a two-year-old boy I oh, think yeah. if um there was like a TV show about all of the stereotypical things a two-year-old boy would do like my son would be the star like <laughs> that is him so you understand so when did you make smart money mama's your is your main source of income now yeah it's actually our only source of income now uh because i like i said i'm the primary breadwinner so um, a couple months before my youngest was born, um, I was having some pregnancy complications. I knew I didn't want to be in this job long term. I had herniated discs in my back. It was awful. Um, and then when I was 32 weeks pregnant, my water broke. So I was in the hospital and really we're, we're preparing to have a NICU baby, right? We didn't know what was going on. And I'm still getting emails from work and questions about things that at this point I really just didn't care about. And I said I was done. So we pulled up all our financial information and said like, okay, if we didn't touch our retirement, how long would we have for me to do something else, right? To, to figure out something else. And we had about two years. So I called my employer and said, I'm not coming back after maternity leave. Let's contract this out. Um, and we figured it out. And so I left uh, December 2016. And now I've been doing this full time. Or That's sorry, really 2017, December 2017. That's awesome. So you guys must have had a decent something in savings then already to kind of work from. Yeah. So, I mean, the hedge fund world, right, is a whole different game. Uh, we made a lot of money and we didn't spend a lot of money. So at that point in my career, we were saving 70 plus percent of our income. Um, so we had built up a really big, nice nest egg to give us some, some breathing room. I think that's a lot of what money feels like for me, that breathing room where you can do things like that. Like I'm thinking about that. I'm like, oh man, I can't wait to, to get to a point. Um, my husband, he had been out of work for seven months. So we've been married, it'll be six years. And in the six years we've had him unemployed twice. I went from being a full-time teacher to leaving to become an entrepreneur and starting over. So we've had a lot of financial up and downs. And that seven month period where he was out of work, we realized how little we had. And that yeah. was a big aha for me because I, I was like, what are we going to do? And now that we're like, we're still working to get back on our feet, we're figuring out we don't ever want to be in that spot again, right? Like we want to be able to breathe. And I think for so many moms and so many families, they, that's what it is. They're missing that breathing room. They're suffocating a little bit with their finances. Yeah. And I think that you probably talk about this with budgeting all the time, right? Whereas at first it can feel restrictive. What you're really doing is creating freedom and making it so that you can make the choices you need to have the life that you want. I think it's fun. I think of budgeting like a game. And at first, yeah, it's that restrictive thing. And then I'm like, okay, I have to make these choices and make things work. And I'm not, I tell my mom's like, I believe in like priority-based living and that's priority-based budgeting, priority-based mm -hmm. scheduling. 
if it is important to you to do those things and it fits with your goals, go for it. But you got to put a limit, right? And if you don't put any sort yeah. of limit, then it's just spend, spend, spend. So my husband, he gets his haircut every other week. This was like a non-negotiable. Even when he's at work, like he wouldn't, it's only $20, but he wouldn't give it up. He was like, no, I get my haircut every other week. And I was like, well, that's his priority, right? And we made that fit. Um, and did that mean that we had to cut from other areas? Sure, but if this is what's important. So yeah, I look at budgeting like a very fun game. I enjoy the budgeting side of things because it makes me feel um empowered with my money whereas before money was taking my my power it had taken like all of the control because i just felt like it was getting we didn't have anything coming in so now that i can i'm in charge of where it goes i don't know i feel like i sit up a little taller i'm like all right i'm in charge here <laughs> and for me for me i mean i'm a compulsive saver and i've gotten better about it but i had a really hard time spending money on anything and i talk about the fact that like my first bonus when i was on wall street i'd only been at work for like eight months but they gave us a thirty-five thousand dollar bonus and kara i couldn't buy a bike like i wanted a bike to ride around manhattan and i'm standing in the store literally in tears because like i was so compulsive about just like hoarding money for security um so for me budgeting has always been about allowing myself to tag money as like okay this is okay to spend everything else is covered and now you can do the other things that make you happy um so it can be it's both sides right it can control some spending but it can also give you a little bit of space if you are someone who is just a natural money hoarder yeah and that permission i think i think is important and i know when we were at a point we had we're just getting unemployment and then unemployment ran out and food stamps and we were just trying to figure it out we had nothing to spend extra. So when we started to get money again, when my husband was reemployed after that time, we went to that, like, we can't spend anything. Like we can't breathe. Mm -hmm. And my husband's like, I want to go buy a pack of gum. Like <laughs> I need to be able to do this. And, and that, that was what we needed was that permission to be like, here, could we do fun budgets? You know, like, well, here's the fun budget for the week. Spend it how you want. And I tend to like hoard mine or buy something for the kids, you know, whatever. But, uh, and, but it's better and it creates this different, dynamic now in our home. Whereas I feel like I used to get mad if I saw him spend like, what are you doing? Like, I'm trying to save all the dollars. And he's like, it's a pack of gum. So now I'm like, well, here's your gum money, you know? And, yeah. and it, it, I think it helps a lot there. Um, yeah. That scarcity mindset can be hard to break, especially if, if you've been in a place where you didn't have any extra. And I think a lot of it comes from childhood and growing up. And I, when you were saying about um, saving your money, I was wondering, I was like, I bet you have some sort of money story there. <laughs> I actually, so it's interesting. Um, my parents are spenders, man. Like my dad did well, but he was always in debt. They did way more than they could afford. Um, more on my dad's side than my mom's for sure. And I think it was almost a reaction to that, right? Like I definitely built a mentality and a money story that net worth equaled self-worth. So whenever I saw that bank balance go down, right, it was a major confidence hit. Um, but yeah, those, those money stories, they start early. I know I always tell the moms that I work with, like it's up to us, like we do no pressure, right? Or all the pressure, but we teach our kids what it's like to interact with lots of things. So the language that we use and the way we mm -hmm. spend things, they like, it's up to us to change that family legacy. Uh, and I think a lot of that does start with not being knowledgeable about our finances. So a lot of the moms, I think in my community, we did a poll and many of them said that they either still have like separate accounts, which, you know, that's your prerogative, right? Or they don't feel very involved in their money. They don't really know what's going on. I've got a lot of stay-at-home moms um, that are in the purpose of mom community and a lot of them just feel like oh i'm not bringing in income so i should know about it so there's a lot of blocks up there but why would you say it's important for moms to be knowledgeable about their finance and their financial situation oh my gosh there's so many reasons i think the first one um is what you just touched on is the fact that like 
we're passing on these lessons to our kids and they can tell even if it's, you know, language matters, but body language matters too. And if they can tell that we're anxious talking about money or that we're avoiding conversations, or especially if you have daughters, um, they see you passing off the conversation when anything comes up around insurance or investing or the higher level stuff, they, they, in, they take that inside, right? And then they, they bring it into their lives. So we want to make sure we're setting a good example. The other thing is the vast majority of women are going to be solely responsible for their finances at some point in their life. Um, none of us want to think about it, but you tend to outlive our husbands or you get divorced or something happens and you're in charge. You want to make sure that you feel confident to handle your money. You don't want to be in a situation where you have a major life change and now you also have to learn a whole new skill to be able to keep going in addition to grief or just emotional upheaval, right? Like you want to make sure you're in control. Um, those are the two big things. But the other one is, you know, it always helps to have another set of eyes on things and a different perspective. So turning over, you know, some of these things to a spouse or, or, or even a financial advisor without taking the time to really understand it, um, you're giving up some of your power and some of that, uh, your, some of your knowledge and insight that could help build a better system for you and who you are and what your life looks like. What about the mom who isn't involved at all in their finances right now and they know they want to be, but they're nervous about bringing up the conversation with the spouse. They don't want to like bruise an ego or they don't want to say I can do it better, but they just want to be involved. How could they like approach that conversation? I think coming towards it with a beginner's mindset, right? Of like coming to your spouse and saying like, Hey, I'm feeling a little out of control and I just want to know where is our money and where does it go? Or can we sit down and talk about the budget? Um, brings it in an easy way instead of saying like, hey, I feel like we have no money and we should have money or you're doing something wrong. Like come say like, let's talk about it. Another way to bring it up, especially outside of the budget, um, is talking about creating some kind of family emergency plan. So we have a family emergency binder that kind of like organizes everything in our lives. Um, and that's how my husband and I first went through all our investment accounts. So I manage all our money. Um, but when we went to put that binder together, I really had to talk to him about like, okay, this is where this is where our retirement money is and here's why, and this is how to access it if you needed it. Um, so kind of saying like, hey, I want to get set up and organized or I just want to understand what's going on is a kind of way to dip your toe in. I like that you brought that up because as you're saying it, there are so many things I don't know where they are or even passwords to things. So when we were in this um, spot where like we knew we didn't have any money, I went through a period where I wouldn't even check our bank account. Like I didn't even want the login. Whereas when we, had, when we got engaged, we wound up paying off, um, like we cash flowed our wedding and we paid off like $40,000. Like we were like Dave Ramsey in and up, like we were doing it, doing it, doing it. And then life happened. And then I just ignored it. And it wasn't that until then I realized that was a problem when I went to log in and I was like, why do I have to text my husband to like find the password to get into the bank account? And it wasn't that he was keeping anything from me, but I was choosing to put up a wall because if I didn't look at it, then I didn't have to acknowledge how bad our situation was. Yeah, that's uh, and deniability. That, yes, and that, that was a huge aha for me. And then since going through the summit and watching some of those presentations, that was in a slap in my face a little bit to be like, Kara, like we don't have the 529. We don't have all these things. And we've made tons of financial mistakes with, you know, in the past where our 401ks and I'm like, I need to be part of it. So that was, you were actually a great catalyst because I said, oh, you know, I'm attending the summit. He knows I like watch all these videos. And one of the things that we're talking about was like the different investment strategies and this, and then he's like, oh, okay. And, he, and I was like, well, let's talk about that. I'm very interested. And someone the other day at work, they sent me 
it was the Robin Hood app. Do you know what that is? I do. Staff? I don't, I didn't know, but then they wanted my social security number and app and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. So, um, I didn't wind up signing up for it, but I said to my husband, Oh look, help me pick one. And he's like, Oh, I have that app. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I have a couple things in that. I was like, I didn't know any of this. And, and that's when I was like, no, I need to know all of these things. Not okay. Mildly. Cause I'm a control freak, but also because it's important. Cause you're right. Like we will have to do this at some point. And if we don't take the time now, then, you know, we're going to be shooting ourselves in the foot later. I want to, I want to say two things related to this. First is um, having to deal with it yourself, right? So this, obviously my relationship is a little gender flipped, right? Where I manage everything and my husband doesn't. But this all came up for us when I was pregnant with our first and I was getting a life insurance policy. And, you know, I, I worked at a job where I made a lot of money. So it was a decent sized life insurance policy. And I was sitting in the doctor's office getting the like exam. And I'm like, oh my God, if something happened to me, this company is going to write a huge check to my husband. and He's going to have no idea what to do with it. None. He's going to be like completely overwhelmed. And I was like, he doesn't even know how to log into Vanguard. And like now we have LastPass and that would all transfer over, but like how to handle it, who to call. Uh, and that was where we started putting the information together. And something we do that I'd recommend any stay-at-home moms um, that aren't as involved in their money or even working moms that just, they don't do it as much. Uh, we do a fire drill once a year. So once a year for one month, my husband has to manage all the finances. He has to update the budget. He has to go check our investment accounts. And I am not allowed to say anything. So he pulls out our emergency binder so that he has all the information. Um, and he's just got to do it. And the first year, it was like the most painful thing I've ever done. Because like, I'm a control freak. And I just wanted to be like, ah, you're doing that wrong. But now we're in year four. And it's so much more empowering. And it means that our budget meetings, when we sit down, he has more information about what's going on and where money is. Uh, and that's been a really great thing. Uh, but the second thing I want to mention is you said that like you had to text your husband for the login and it wasn't that he was keeping it from you. And that's, that's a healthy, yeah, that's fine. That's a healthy thing. But financial abuse is a real thing. And, you know, it's way more common than people think. And in 99% of physical abuse cases, it started with financial abuse. So giving up access to your accounts or choosing to be ignorant about it might be okay for now if your relationship is healthy, but we never know what's going to happen. And if you've given up all agency around your money, you're going to be even more stuck, right? It's one of the really sad things we hear from our community sometimes is we'll get outreach from people who husbands are deciding to leave them or they're in an abusive situation and they cannot leave because they don't have any money to do so or a way to access that money. Um, so making sure you're staying involved just for your own protection and your kids' protection is also just an important thing to keep in mind. Thank you for bringing that up because I think that's so important. And I know that every mom listening is in like a di different financial place and they're managing their money differently and maybe they still have separate accounts or joint accounts. But yeah, knowing that you are allowed to have control of those things. It's, it's your money. And I like that you also mentioned LastPass because that was something that um, we are going to start doing because I just started doing that with my virtual assistant. And I was thinking this would be so great because I just have a terrible memory and like I can't remember anything and I'm always asking him for passwords. And so I think LastPass is a really great way to share passwords safely with your family. So if you guys don't use that, check, check out LastPass because I think it'll It'll help because there are a million passwords for everything that you need to know. Yeah, um, and it's and LastPass is a free software. Um, if you want to do family sharing, I think it's a fee, but it's like fifteen dollars a year or something. It's super low cost. Um, so I highly recommend LastPass. Let's talk a little bit about. Let's start with college. I have a whole list of questions. I, I really I feel like I can keep Chelsea on forever. Okay, let me. I'm gonna focus <laughs> in. Um, can we start with college because? College is on so many of our minds. So my smaller ones are two and four. My oldest is 13. And we 
I will admit, we have nothing. We have nothing saved for him. And once I watched some of the presentations and I realized about the 529 and that we should have been doing something, I had to take a breath. Um, I said to my husband, you know, like, what are we going to, I know I've said it many times. And I think I'm at the point where I'm just going to take charge and do something for Dean because he's, he's in seventh grade. And my husband's attitude is, well, we pay for private school. So like, you better get a scholarship. <laughs> I'm like, I get that. Um, and if push comes to shove, we could just take the money we're putting towards private school to pay for school. But I don't want to do that. And I do not do not want my kids to have student loans. Student loans, we went into our marriage with each $100,000 in loans. Oh my gosh. And so we have a journey ahead of us, which is I pushing on every day, right? But I do not want that for my children. But I haven't done anything. So school me, Chelsea. Like, all right, where, all right. where so does a mom start? So I'm going to start first. I'm going to tell you, I love the 529. I have it for both our boys. I think it's a great service, especially if you start young. Because let's keep in mind, that we should invest for the long term. So if you have a, a, a goal that's less than five years out, putting in the stock market is probably not your best bet. And that's because the market is volatile. It's going to go up and down, um, partially because of just business cycles and partially because people are crazy emotional and they're going to go sell things and panic and the market's going to go down and then they're going to get excited and the market's going to go up. And you can't time that. There's just no, there's no way to do that. Professionals can't time that. So if you're shorter term, if your kids are older, you're, they're in eighth or ninth grade, 529 is probably not your best bet because you're not going to get the growth where you actually have a tax benefit, right? So saving, you know, it's great if you start young. But before we get into the dynamics of a 529 and why it's good, student loans aren't the worst thing in the world because you can borrow for school. You cannot borrow for retirement. So it's great if you don't want your kids to have to pay, you know, get student loans to go to college unless 20 years down the road, they're going to have to pay for you to be retired, right? So that is something we always have to think about. You have to take care of your own ship first, make sure you're out of high interest debt and that you're saving enough for retirement and that you're feeling comfortable and confident. And then if you have money left over that you want to prioritize towards college, do it then. Uh, because with college, you do have options, right? There are tons of scholarship programs that people don't even apply to or search for. They could go to community college for two years and transfer to state college. They could apply for scholarships within state colleges. Um, there is financial aid available. There's lots of options. So I think we, a lot of times parents look at the total cost of college and the dollar amount and they panic that they're going to have to pay, you know, $200,000 for their kids to get an undergrad degree. But for the majority of U.S. families, right, um, like the median household income in the U.S. is only $54,000 those families aren't paying $200,000, right? There are so, there's so much aid available, um, especially if you go to a state school or a lower cost school that most statistics show you're going to end up just as financially successful than if you go to the big ones. Um, you have options. So <laughs> let's talk about thank that. Thank you. No, thank you for talking me down because I, you know, you just get so stuck in it. But uh, I was talking to my 13 year old and uh, he's like, I want to go to Penn State. My husband went to Penn State. We live in Pennsylvania. But we can do that. Um, but I was saying now is the time where we need to start looking at scholarships. And it, if anything, in seventh grade, like looking at at least the activities that are going to get you the scholarships until we get into high school. His school is really good at helping match them. So I feel very thankful about that. But I'm already, I, who was, I think his name is Anthony Davis. He's on the Dave Ramsey team. He has a book. I have to, I'll look up the name of it. And it's like starting at seventh grade, how to talk to your kids about affording college. And I think that's a conversation that I know I never had. I was the only one in my family to go to college. So we didn't know like what we were getting into. But since being my husband and I, like we both have our masters, like we understand the experience and, and what it really means. So I think that it's important to talk to our kids about it and what it really means and loans and, and just the whole big picture 
you know, and not ignore it. And then all of a sudden, like mom and dad will figure it out for me. You know, absolutely. I think starting that conversation early is important. And there's, there are scholarship opportunities. I think a lot of times we think about scholarships in the realm of like, you know, full scholarships or half scholarships, these big, big dollar scollarships. But there's tons of $500,000, a $5,000 scholarships out there that kids can actually start applying to in middle school. Um, and some of the middle school ones are just funny essays, like tell a story about Halloween, right? And, and you can apply and you can get $500 or whatever it is. And those things add up. And there's definitely lots of families that, that do that. They say, okay, um, if you want to go to Penn State, this is how much mom and dad can put in. And most, almost all colleges now, if you go to their admissions page, they have a calculator where you can put in your family's income, your family's assets, and it'll estimate how much the cost is for you today, like how much you can expect in financial aid um, and other you know, grants. And, you know, this is how much we have to cover. So twice a year, I want you to sit down and, and apply for some scholarship. We'll find one and you can, you can do it. Um, or three times a year, whatever your goal is. So there are, there are some good options. And I think having that conversation early is empowering for the kids too. I think there's some really sad stories about, you know, kids having this dream ideal college in their head that they've never really thought about what the cost is of that. Uh, and they get to the point where they get in and then it turns out either their parents can't afford it or they're going to graduate with $100,000 in student loan debt and not know what that means until they graduate, right? So starting these conversations and making sure they understand the pros and cons uh, is huge. You've inspired me. I definitely am going <laughs> to do it. You definitely have inspired me because we have a lot of money talk around the home. Like it's just something that's in our natural conversation. But now, I don't know, he hit seventh grade and I was like, we really need to figure this out. So I like this. This is coming fast. Yes, it is coming way too fast. Um, but let's talk about the 529 for a second. Because So I do have the two little ones and I okay. would love to start that. Where would someone go start that? Is that something you need like an accountant for? Is it just a form online? Nope. So, every, so the 529 plan, like any government program, is super confusing in that almost every state has their own plan, if not more than one plan, right? Um, your state plan may or may not offer some state tax benefits for contributing to that account, right? Um, so let's so let's think about this for a second. What, what, whatever your state income tax is, 5%, 6%, 3%, whatever, um, you're going to get knocked off of that, right? So you're going to save 3% of the $2,000 you put into that account this year. It's not a huge savings. So the other thing you want to take into account is that you can actually invest in any 529 regardless of where you live. You only get the state tax benefit if you use your state's plan, but you could choose another state's plan that has significantly lower fees. Um, New York, Utah have very low fees. Illinois has very low fees. Um, and those lower fees or better investment options might mean that even though you don't get the tax benefit, you build more account value over time, right? Because fees are, fees are massively important. Um, and we could talk about that if you want, but so you have a lot of options. I think the first thing to do is to Google your state plan. There's a great website called savingforcollege.com that actually rates every 529 plan um, on their fees, on their investment options, and it'll give you a number of out of five graduation caps, the quality of your state's plan. So you can decide if you want to use your state's plan or one of those three that I mentioned that are lower cost. Once you're in there, uh, you can do it yourself. You just put in the information. You're going to need your kid's social security number um, and their age, and then you'll have some different investment options depending on what type of fund you have. Now, every 529 across the country has age-based plans. So you can say, my kid is two to four. I'm going to click that one. Do I want aggressive, moderate, or conservative investments? Aggressives are going to be higher stocks, which means it's going to go up and down in value more, but your long-term return should be higher. Moderate, obviously, we, we can bring it down from there. 
conservative is going to be a lot of bonds. Um, so the growth is going to be slow, but it's going to be there. And you could choose an age-based plan or some accounts that are really good have different options. Like you could just choose um, like a typical index fund you'd pick in your retirement account, um, all stocks or all bonds or whatever you wanted to do. Now the benefit of these accounts. So, um, you put the money in post-tax, right? So you get paid, um, your, your employer's taking your taxes out, you get your X amount of dollars, and you can put that into a 529. You might get a tax day tax benefit, you might not. But the benefit of these plans and why they're so powerful is that there's no taxes on the back end. So if you put the money in, your child is two, and 16 years from now, you go to take the money out, and the money has grown and grown for 16 years, all that growth in a traditional account, you'd be taxed. You'd pay capital gains tax on the growth. With a 529, you can just take the full value of the money out with no taxes as long as it's used for qualified school expenses. So that's where the power of it is, right? You can actually save 10% plus in taxes by using a 529, uh, which makes it a powerful account. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yes. You're blowing my mind. I am ready to do it <laughs> like right now. I was uh, speaking at a MOPS event a couple months ago and we were talking about budgeting and one of the moms said something about in Pennsylvania, if your kid was born here or something, they give you like a hundred dollars to start a 529 or it's on the site. You have to look now. So I was, that reminded me like, I need to start that. So you have reminded me again. I need to start that. Well, there, and there are, so different states have different things. I think uh, Pennsylvania does like $100 when you first open the account. Maine does like $150. Connecticut will do, I think, 50 or 100 depending on the time of year. Um, but these are, because, the, because you can invest anywhere, there's competition like anything else. So you'll find that on May 29th, which is 529 day, right? A lot of these plans will offer special bonuses, right? So if you open your account right now, you'll get an extra 50 bucks or an extra 100 bucks. Um, so just, just look into what's available and what your, your limits are. But definitely check, uh, definitely make sure you check savingforcollege.com or at least look at what the fees are um, because those can really make or break your growth long term. Great. Thank you. And I'm going to put all these links that Chelsea's mentioning over at the show notes. It'll be at a purposedovermom.com slash podcast 39. So Chelsea, I have a question about getting started with investment. If you're in a situation where you guys are barely living paycheck to paycheck, like you can't even pay all the bills, you've got all this debt, but you know you should be saving at the same time, what's your, like, where, where do you stand on that? Yeah. So I think the number one thing is if you work in an employer that offers a 401k match or any kind of retirement account match, and that means typically the match is on average, national average is like 3%. So if you put in 3%, your company will put in 3%. No matter where you stand financially, put in 3% because that's free money. <laughs> and there is no investment return better than instant doubling of your money, right? So always prioritize that. After that, you have to think about what the returns are. And I think that what we tell families that are in heavy amounts of debt that, that have already they're done their match and now they're trying to decide what to do. If you have debt that's 12% car loan or a 19% credit card debt, right? you're never going to get that return in the market. So instead, flip the thinking of your head of paying off that debt is an investment. I am immediately getting a 19% return by no longer having to pay that interest rate. And the long-term return of the stock market is, you know, depending on whether there's all kinds of arguments about what it is, but it's anywhere from 7 to 12%, right? So if your rates are higher than that, you should definitely pay off your debt. If you've, got low, if you've got low interest debt, you've got a 4% car loan, or if you've got something else, then it's a personal choice of how comfortable do I feel carrying this debt? Um, and would I rather, you know, arbitrage, pick up the extra 3 to 
5% investing long-term and just pay my loan off, that's really a personal choice. But I think that when you're really in that paycheck to paycheck thing, instead of beating yourself up for not saving, just tell yourself that this isn't paying off this debt is an investment and it's giving me uh, returns to be able to invest once the debt is gone. That's smart. So speaking of like 401ks and medical insurance, if your employer has like a terrible plan, so we found out my husband's employer is just terrible. It's just terrible. (laughs) So are there ways to bring up conversations with your employer about the plans offered or are you just kind of like stuck with what they have? For health insurance or for 401ks because they're different things, Well, right? let's start with the 401k. Uh, either way there is. I think whenever you're bringing these conversations up to an employer, it's helpful to have more than one of you. Um, they're going to listen to five employees more than they're going to listen to one or two. Uh, so if you could talk to some of your colleagues about, hey, I was looking at our 401k and we have a 1% annual management fee. And that is, you know, way higher than what we're seeing at other providers. And even you can actually Google like best 401k providers and you'll find Vanguard and Fidelity, right? And you can go to your HR department and say, hey, you know, the six of us were talking and we think there's some other options here. Why why do we use this policy instead of someone else? And the cost to set up 401ks, depending on the size of the company, can be expensive. So they might say like, hey, we don't really like this plan, but it's going to cost us a lot to switch to somebody else. Um, And then you can have a conversation of like, well, hey, if it's the cost of changing, maybe could we increase the match? Could we do something to kind of try to offset this fee a little bit? And that was, um, I actually had an old employer that we had to use a very specific 401k for provider for complicated hedge fund reasons that I don't need to get into. Um, but what they did was they basically, they increased the match to offset the fee. So basically said like, you're going to be net zero fees. We will pay them by increasing the match and then that'll be fine. So you do have options. I think definitely getting together with a group is helpful. And that's where getting comfortable having money conversations is another benefit, right? (laughs) Um, And knowing that you're at least using the right terms and you understand what's going on when you go to the HR department. Um, But yeah, I think think there are places to change it. And I do think sometimes um, management has been wanting to, but they've either needed a push or they didn't think it mattered to the employees. Um, So I think definitely bring that up as a group would be very helpful. I like this theme of just taking back your power around money. You know, like that, that seems to be this, this theme of this conversation is there are so many things you can do and you don't have to just passively like let the rest of your life happen without being intentional about your finances. Cause it's important. Um, I'm thinking about a mom who's listening to this and is like, I could never have these conversations. I don't know how to get started. You're intimidating me. This is too much. What kind of encouragement could we kind of like leave them with today to just take any steps towards controlling their finances in their home? Listen, I think the first thing is none of us are born knowing this crap, right? (laughs) This is like no one teaches it to us. There's no class for it. Um, So drop, try to drop some of the baggage and shame around, hey, I'm an adult. I should know this. Um, This is something we get sometimes from our new readers in our audience of like, I feel like I'm failing at adulting and you're not failing at adulting. This is just something that we all have to pick up. And if you feel like you can't go talk to your coworkers about your 401k, first of all, that's like advanced level. You know, you got you to gotta have a little bit of experience. Um, but Google a term, right? If you heard me talk today and you're like, oh my God, I have no idea what she means about index fund. 
go Google index fund, watch a three minute YouTube video about what it is. And, and that's a small thing, but every term you pick up, every little piece is going to make it easier for you to have these conversations and feel more empowered when someone brings it up to you, right? Because you'll at least have a general sense of what's going on. Um, but just remember that like, this is a journey. We're all figuring it out. Um, if you've mastered budgeting with Kara, right? Now it's time to kind of start dipping your toe into the next stage. Thank you. I like that permission of just getting rid of the shame, but like you're failing at adulting because I'm not going to lie as you're talking, I felt like my limiting beliefs walls like, oh my gosh, how am I 35 years old? I don't know what you're saying, but thank you because I think that I know there are moms out there who want to get started controlling these things, but they are just afraid about taking that power back. So thank you for sharing today. Um, I would love if you could tell everybody where they could learn more about you and your podcast that's coming out. Yes. So my podcast actually launches today, which is February 6th. We're super excited. It's the Smart Money Mama show. Um, so you can find four episodes uh, down there today to check it out. But we're at smartmoneymamas.com and we're at smartmoneymamas on all social platforms. I spend a ton of time on Instagram, so you can come hang out with me over there. Um, and if you want to join our Mamas Talk Money Facebook group, uh, I'm in there on a daily basis answering questions. So once again, if you had something that came up today that you're like, I don't know what that means, come post and I'm happy to answer and explain it for you. Thanks. Yeah, guys, go over, check out the podcast. I know I'm going to be subscribing and adding it to my must listens. I try to get like at least one financial podcast in like every day, even if it's a little, because I find that if I'm just putting that in my head, it makes it a lot easier for me in the day to day when all of the choices and the things and the spending and all that comes up. So I know that I'm going to be adding it. And um, thank you again, Chelsea. I really feel like I could talk to you forever about so many things, but you really took us on like a nice high level type of deep dive into <laughs> where we can start getting our control back with our money, getting started with a little bit of investing and just taking it to another level. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Kara. This was a lot of fun. All right. Have a good one. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that you were able to get some tips to just parent with more intentionality. Make sure you head over to Facebook and join our private Facebook community group. Just search A Purpose Driven Mom and it'll come up. You can also go to apurposedrivenmom.com slash podcast and you will have access to every single podcast, all the show notes, all the links, all the freebies and all the goodies that I have for you. Thank you again for being a part of the community, and I would love and appreciate it if you head over and gave a five-star rating and review. It allows us to find other purpose-driven moms, have an impact on them, and I would love to feature you as the reviewer of the week. Thanks again, and have an amazing day.